Well, hey there, Thrive Church. It is so good to be back. Uh, I want to thank you for your prayers and support over these past few weeks, and thank you for Megan and our kids as well. Um, You know, a few weeks ago, five weeks ago, uh, we entered into a season of rest and sabbatical, had an opportunity to share with you uh, just about some of the things going on in my own life, my own health, and out of all of that, the decision was made that really needed to take some time for sabbatical rest to really reset, uh, as Pat, Patrick Crowder had said, to increase that capacity to be able to lead uh, into a new season, to continue to lead well. Little did we know that that season of rest would be interrupted with COVID and that we would uh, have COVID visit our own home. I'm so happy to report that our family is doing well Uh, Megan and Gavin have uh, recovered. They are COVID-free, still some lingering fatigue, uh, but just a huge thank you. I can't say thank you enough to all of you uh, who have been praying, uh, those of you who brought meals to us and did grocery runs for us. Uh, You are such a blessing to us and to our family, and just thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, I've been looking forward to this day. I've been looking forward to being back. Uh, I, at the advice of Patrick and others in my life, really disconnected over these last few weeks to the point that I wasn't even jumping in and listening to the message where there's a funny story about that coming up uh, in just a minute. But I wasn't jumping in and, and even watching services. I was, I was in the Word myself and uh, being refreshed in, in, in other ways. And um, it's been a good season, and I'm, in fact, in the message today, I'll share some things from my heart, some things that I've learned over these last few weeks, uh, but it's just good to be with you, and I wish I could see you face-to-face, of, co- of course, um, but it's, it's good to be back with you through, through the TV or through the, the device that you're watching on today, and I just, again, want to say thank you. We love you. Uh, I love our church. I love Thrive Church. I've missed you. I've missed our interaction and look forward to catching up over the next days and weeks. Um, Before I dive into the message today, I do want to mention one thing that's coming up. Uh, Halloween is just a couple of weeks away, just less than two weeks away. And what we've done in the past as a church is we've partnered with the city of Glendora uh, at their big Halloween carnival event, we've provided volunteers and, and just gone out of our way to serve our city. Well, of course, this year, that, that event is canceled. Everything has changed. We're, we're not able to uh, engage with one another uh, as, as we have in years past. And even trick-or-treating is not really an option uh, in a lot of places, especially here in Los Angeles County. And so... Uh, our team over the last few weeks, as, as I've been gone, I'm, I'm so thankful for our team. By the way, let me pause it real quick. Thank you to our pastoral team. Thank you to Pastor Deb and, and Tom and, and Abby and, and Jason and Rosie and Kyle. And, and I'm going to miss names and I, I apologize, but I just want to say thank you to all of you who have just stepped in. And, and I want you, I want to encourage you to, to thank them. Thank you to all those who preached. Pastor Justin and Pastor Kiha, uh, Christy and Jacques, thank you to you guys, and, and thank you, Christy, for, for speaking. Pastor Deb, uh, preaching twice, really bookending our time, uh, and so thank you. That was a total deviation from my original thought, but I, I, I have to stop and say thank you to all of you. Um, but th- our amazing 
uh, leadership and pastoral team have been working on a plan for Halloween, just thinking about how can we engage our community uh, in an outreach kind of posture? How can we serve our own kids here at Thrive Church? And so here's what's going to happen. If you live in the Southern California area, uh, we're doing something called Sweet Harvest. And it's going to happen at the Thrive Center uh, right here in Glendora. And it's going to be a drive-through, no-contact Halloween or harvest experience. We're going to have some people set up at safe distances. They're going to decorate their cars. uh, And then there'll be a parade of cars coming through. We're going to pass out candy and and pre-packaged and and, uh, sanitized uh, bags that will pass through the window. There'll be no contact there. But this is an opportunity for us to both love on you as a church family and then on our community as well. And so you're going to hear more information. I realize it's just a couple of weeks away, but we wanted to give you a heads up. Uh, if, you're, if you're one who maybe doesn't have younger kids that would want to participate, uh, if you're one who doesn't have those kids in your house and you'd want to volunteer, uh, please reach out to us and let us know. You can let us know in the chat right now or email the church at mail at thriveglendora. Org and let us know if you'd like to be a part of that. You'll get more information. If you are not located in the SoCal area, as I know many of you watching today are not, not here locally, you're out of state and even out of the country, here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. Depending on what the local restrictions are in your area, and check those out, if you know that you're going to have people coming through your neighborhood, would you set something up in your driveway? Maybe have some large full-size candy bars that you can pass out and just share the love of Jesus on what it usually is a night that celebrates darkness. That, that's really the roots of what Halloween is. And, and we want to shine the light of Jesus in the midst of our community. So love on your community. Find ways to decorate, uh, be a, a, a shining, bright, smiley face, and, and just love people well wherever you are. And so you'll hear more about that. Well, I want to get into the word today. We're continuing our series, God Is. It's a series that we've been in through this entire year. And I've been encouraged in my time with the Lord in the word. I believe that the Lord is doing some deep things in our hearts and in our lives as a congregation. And as we come to this place where we look at scripture through fresh eyes, through a new perspective, what will emerge is a picture of who God is. As we ask that question, who is God? To not just lean on or rest on our assumptions, the things we've picked up along the way, but to really press in constantly into the word of God and say, God, I want to know you deeper. I want to know you more fully. I want you to challenge those assumptions, to, to challenge the way that I think about who you are and the way that you engage with your creation. It's like a miner who, who goes into a, a, a mine shaft or into a, into a stream or a place where they start digging to look for that nugget. There's work that's involved that to discover that this picture, this fully formed picture of who God is involves work. And, and so the invitation to us this year is to do that journey, to, to press into his word and to get a fresh revelation, a fresh picture of who God is. We started in January 
in the first quarter of the year looking at knowing God. What does it mean to know God in line with our, our missional uh, statements, know, grow, serve, go, asking who is God? Is he knowable? We moved into the second part of the year right when COVID all happened and the lockdown happened. We were in the grow phase and we were reading passages about what it means to grow in our relationship with the Lord. We just recently concluded the, the, the third quarter, which is serving like Jesus. And the, the passages we've been re- reading really focus on what does it mean to serve the way that Jesus it did. And now we are, believe it or not, into the final quarter of the year. And our focus for these next three months is what does it mean to go? To go into all the world and to bring that good news into the world. Now, just a quick update on the journals. Uh, We're a little behind schedule with everything that's happened over the last few weeks. We're behind schedule, but our our last series of journals are coming. And so uh, if if you're looking for something to read, I know Pastor Deb encouraged this last week, maybe go back through some of those journals that you've had before, maybe days that you missed and read those, or allow the Lord to direct you to a passage that, that you can read uh, each day over these next few weeks. We do we are creating more journals. If you would like to receive a hard copy journal, please go over to thriveglendor.org. There's gonna be a form on the homepage that you can fill out that just says, I would like a journal. And, uh, and sign up for that. We'll, when we have those printed, we'll mail those to you. And then we'll also have a digital version available to you so you can download that. But we're going to end the year strong as we look at what does it mean to go into the world, to be a part of God's mission in the world. Well, I want to share a message today that's been resonating in my heart, a passage, a passage of scripture that's been resonating in my heart uh, for more than a week now. But, and I told you there was going to be a funny story about even past, what Pastor Deb preached on last week. I had no idea that she had preached on Hebrews chapter 12. And that's the exact same passage that had been stirring in my heart for today. And of course, I hadn't checked with her because I was, I was on sabbatical. And so I, I found out, I realized that she had preached on the same passage. And my immediate thought was, well, I need to go find something else to preach on. And I just felt the Lord say, no. No, there's depth to the word of God. And I think this is a perfect example of, of the fact that God's word cannot be exhausted in one sermon. In fact, more than that, I realize that there must be something that God wants us to catch in this passage. And so I'm not going to preach the same sermon, of course. We're going to be in the same text. But, but I'd like for you to pay attention to and really think through what are the nuances? What are the differences? Two different people preaching out of the same passage. What are some of the different perspectives you even receive there? And then allow yourself to engage the passage in a way that challenges your own heart. I believe these two messages will dovetail really well. So I want to read Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, reading out of the NIV. It says this, Therefore, Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners 
so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. What a, what a great passage of scripture. This reminder that we have a race that is marked out for us, that we're to be running, that we're supposed to, to, to engage in this race that God has marked out for us. And so we're going to move through the passage. I'm going to draw some things out of that. You know, I've preached out of this passage many times over the years, over the, the many years that I've been a pastor. In fact, there was a season where uh, Megan and I and our kids were traveling full time. We were ministering at different churches around uh, the West Coast, and almost every Sunday we were in a different church, and very often I was asked to preach. And there had been a message that the Lord laid on my heart in that season. And so for a period of about six months, I must have preached out of Hebrews 12, you know, probably half a dozen or a, probably a dozen times in different locations. And so it's a passage I'm very familiar with, But over the past week and over the last couple of weeks, there have been some truths in this passage that have really leapt out and really emerged in my own heart and my own thinking that I hadn't caught before. And I love that about the Word of God is you can read a passage over and over and over again and then read that passage one more time and there's something new that comes to light as the Holy Spirit is, it brings that to light as, as the word of God says that his word, God's word is alive and active, that it's not, it's not just ink on a page, that God's spirit moves and, and he brings a rhema, he brings a fresh revelation. And that's exactly what has happened uh, for me in this passage over the last few weeks. See, there's a lot of metaphors in the Bible about what the kingdom of God is and what the Christian and the Christian life is all about. We see the King Jesus talking about the kingdom of, of God being like a mustard seed. He says the kingdom of God is like a, a, a man who, who is waiting for his son to come back or the woman who loses a coin and turns the house upside down. Uh, he talks about all of these images of what the kingdom of God is like. And then he, he talks about the body of Christ, about uh, the the, ch- the, the Christian uh, life and about us as believers being the body. He talks about us being a building. He talks about us being ambassadors. And then he talks about, uh, throughout scripture, he talks about us being athletes, about being athletes, who those who compete in some kind of an athletic endeavor. And here in Hebrews 12, we see that metaphor played out where, where the writer of Hebrews says that we are running a race and that we need to run this race that has been marked out for us. And whether you, what, I don't know what kind of race comes to, to mind for you, whether it's track and field where there's clearly defined lanes that you run in, maybe the 100 meter sprint or, or the 800 meter where you're running a, around that track and, and there's a course that's marked out or maybe a marathon runner that the, the picture that comes to mind for me here is more of a marathon and that's just because i believe that the christian life is more like a marathon than it is a sprint but there's a course that's marked out you have to stay that course and you need to run in such a way and paul in fact talks about this run in such a way that you win the prize don't don't run in vain he says going to training and and, and run in such a way that you're not disqualified. And if I'm really honest about it, all this reading about running can be kind of exhausting. Those passages about I, I beat my body and I make it my slave. And, I, and, and Paul says, I, I don't box like a boxer beating the air. 
it's a little bit exhausting. You get to get work out just reading the Bible here. It's interesting that the Lord would bring me to this passage as I came to the conclusion of a sabbatical season, a season of rest, a season of removing distractions. And uh, my encouragement even to us as a church as, is that we would as a church rest. And I hope that you did, that they, you took up that invitation that I, that I offered in the same very spot that I'm standing now to say, can we enter into a season of rest together? Would you join me in that? That we need places in our lives where we slow down and we remove distractions and we say no to things uh, and, and, and we just stop. But then coming out of a season of rest, why, why would God bring me to this passage? And those are some of the thoughts that I, I want to unpack today for us. Starting in verse 1, the first part of verse 1, the writer says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Well, what's he talking about? What's the writer of Hebrew referring to? I learned this in Bible college. It stuck with me for years. But whenever I see a sentence that starts with the word therefore, you have to ask the question, what is it therefore? It means that there's something that came before this passage. There's something that, that's important for us to know before the words that we're reading. It's a, it's, it joins two thoughts. And if you go into Hebrews, and I encourage you, this is your homework this week, would you go into uh, Hebrews 11? Would you read that chapter? It's the faith chapter. It's the chapter about all of those who had come before. It's the, it's the, it's the hall of fame of faith. Who are these witnesses? And, and the writer lists them out. There's Abel and Noah and Enoch and Abraham and Sarah and Moses and Joshua and Gideon and and David and Samuel. There's all of these and it goes on and on. And in fact, the writer of Hebrews says, he goes, there's not enough time for me to get into all of these names, all of these people who had gone before. They had lived a life of faith. The, the key passage or the key phrase in Hebrews chapter 11 is, by faith, by faith Abraham, by faith Moses, by faith Rahab, by faith they did these things. But here's what I get out of this. This is what, what strikes me about these witnesses. These who had gone before, and by the way, we're surrounded by them. It doesn't mean that they're just characters, fictional characters on the pages of a historical book or, or even people who just who are dead and long gone because we believe that we're surrounded, that their testimony and even that their eyes would be on us as they encourage us, that these people were part of something bigger than themselves, that they had, they had jumped into, they had bought into, that by faith they had believed and become a part of something bigger than themselves, something so much bigger that they didn't even get to realize the fullness of what it was that they were participating in. My first point today is this. When we think about the race, in light of these witnesses, we have to remember this. This is God's race. This is God's race. It's not my race. It's not your race. Now, the, the language here in Hebrews would lead us to believe, well, God's marked out a race and I'm running my race. But I really believe that's one of the reasons that we get worn out. 
that we drive ourselves into the ground, that we run out of steam as we start believing that this is my race. But, but the reality is this, it's God's race and he invites us to participate in something that is much bigger than ourselves. It's the race that's marked out for you, that God knew that you would participate in. And he has a specific purpose and a plan for you in a way that he's called you to engage in that race. But it's his mission, it's his purpose, it's his race, that I am not running for Barry's purposes. I'm not running because of Barry's mission. I'm running this race because of what God is doing, what God has called me. It's his mission, and I get to partner. And so I have to remember, I have to keep that in focus, that it's his race, and I get to partner with all of these people. I get to partner, you get to partner with Abraham and Enoch and Rahab. And here's the thing, some of those people were really messed up. They made some big mistakes. They didn't get it right all the time. They weren't perfect. We get to partner with them and God says, I'm calling you to partner with all of these, this cloud of witnesses that's gone before. It's God's race that we are participating in. And here's what I love, they're cheering you on. They're cheering you won. I mentioned this already. Here's the insight. You don't have to drive yourself into the ground. Really, that's a place that I came to, and I'm so thankful that there were people around me to help me. And, and, and we hear of this all the time in, in ministry, not just pastors, but leaders and people engaged in ministry, and even other places and other, uh, other aspects of our lives is that we drive ourselves into the ground, that we, we buy into this performance mentality, and we wear ourselves out. And here's the truth that I've just really resonated with over these last few weeks. It's this, you can't race if you don't rest. You can't race if you don't rest. The best athletes in the world, if you had to interview them and say, what's one of the most important parts of your regimen? And they would say this, it's rest. That the best, best athletes don't train full out every day that they have rhythms of rest, that our muscles, when you're working out, your muscles need time to rest, to rebuild. In fact, it's in the rebuilding process that the strength comes. Listen to me. It's when you rest that your strength is built. And if we run the race in such a way that we're going flat out all the time and we don't stop, we will wear ourselves out. And that's not God's purpose. God never intended to mark out a race that would kill us that would destroy us. You can't race. I can't race. I can't fulfill God's call on my life and walk those things out if I don't rest, if you don't rest. And so this invitation isn't from Pastor Barry. It's an invitation from God himself to say, would you enter my rest? Would you learn to stop? Would you learn to Sabbath, to stop and rest and receive what I have for you? See, pride drives us to think that we need to do it all. Let, let's just be honest for a minute. I'll be honest for a minute. That there is a sense of pride in my life, even as a pastor, to say, I've got to do this. I've got to accomplish this. I've got to prove this. I've got to, and we want to say that it's about the mission of God, but really it comes down to, I want to look good. 
I want to look like I have it all together. Can I just clue you into something? I don't. Your pastor doesn't have all the answers. I don't have all of the strength. I don't have all of, I don't have all of the capacity to do these things. I don't. I am limited. You are limited. And, and life becomes so much fuller when we embrace our limits. This kind of thinking creeps in. It says this, if I don't do it, nobody will. If I don't do it, nobody will. And that right there is a lie from the pit of hell. Because here's the thing that Hebrews reminds us of, is that there were a whole bunch of people that went before you that were way more accomplished, that were way more gifted. Come on, we're talking about Moses. We're talking about Abraham. We're talking about Noah. We're talking about King David. We're talking about Samuel and Elijah. These are the people that are listed. And then God says, hey, you're a part of that. And none of them accomplished everything. They all contributed to something bigger than themselves. See, if I don't do it, nobody will, doesn't fly in the kingdom of God. Because we don't know one person has all of the answers, all of the strength. This is a team sport. That running this race is a relay. It is a team sport that we do this together. I want to move into the next portion of this verse. The writer then says, throw off everything that hinders. Throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And I want to focus on this first portion right here, everything that hinders, before we get to the sin. Because I think here's the thing, we, we get kind of fixated on the sin part. And I think we get fixated on the sin part because we're stuck in shame. That shame and sin go hand in hand. And if we don't deal with the shame part of this, then we get fixated on the sin and that's all we see. And I've just got to work harder and try more and, and be more disciplined to not, to not be a sinner. But I think there's a reason why the writer of Hebrews draws a distinction between hindrances and sin. So we'll get to the sin part in a minute and I'm not going to spend a lot of time there. I want to talk about the hindrances. What are the things that hinder? Well, let's think about a marathon runner. You never see a marathon runner running in jeans. You never see a runner of a marathon running with army boots on. You see a marathon runner, they wear these shoes that weigh ounces. In fact, technology, it says that the technology that has come, come to bear or come to, to the forefront in, in sports today has allowed runners to run faster than ever before. That, that, that the, the, the first marathon ever run under two hours was recently run. A hundred years ago, the runners, it was taking twice as long to run a marathon. Why? Is, is it because the physical body has changed? It's, no, it's, there's been, there's been a, an increase in our ability to utilize the technology and, 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 and the, to remove some of those hindrances. And there's also think, the ways in thinking about what's possible and how much the human body can be pushed for sure. But, but there's other things that come into that. You see a runner of a marathon wears the lightest clothing possible. They strip off all of that extra weight. You don't see marathon runners who, who have any extra body fat, right? It's, they are skinny and they, they are lean and they, their muscles are long and, and, and they've trained to be able to run that race so that they're not weighed down. 
Well, what are some of the things here for us then that can weigh us down? What are some of those hindrances in running the race that God has for us? There's distractions. There's just things that fill our lives. Last night, Megan and I got to sit, and, and before we went to bed, we, we chose, you know, we're not going to sit and watch a movie or, or watch TV or be on our phones. We set all of those things aside. We set aside the distractions. And we had a two-and-a-half-hour conversation before we went to bed. And I've got to tell you, when we woke up today, our souls were just filled up because of that interaction with each other. We are distracted We're distracted by our devices. We're distracted by entertainment. We're distracted with just busyness and the things around us. We're distracted by hobbies. We're distracted by work that we we have a, well, the reality is it used to be we, we leave our work at work, but so often now our work is at home and those worlds have collided. But we have, that just means that we've got to create clearer boundaries that when I'm done with work, even though I might already be home, that I, I leave work behind so I'm not distracted, so I'm not hindered. But we also get hindered by our brokenness. Areas of our lives that have not received healing, that have not been made whole. We, we get hindered by shame. And I already talked about this a little bit. Places in our own lives where we assess ourselves and we're covered and we, we're weighed down with shame over things that have, we haven't done or shouldn't have done or, or, or were done to us or just the lies of the enemy that heap shame and shame and shame and regret and they weigh our souls down and prevent us from running the race that God has called. And God says, shed yourself, get rid of those things, cast them off, which is not just a matter of will, but it's a matter of surrender to stop and rest and say, God, would you show me those places that need healing? Would you show me those places where I'm distracted? Would, would, would you allow my eyes to be open so that I can see? And then, of course, the sin. Sin not only slows you down, it trips you up. Sun, sin doesn't just slow you down. Hindrances will slow you down. Sin will stop you in your tracks. In fact, the definition of sin is this. It's missing the mark. The writer here says that we need to run the race that's marked out for us with this end in sight, with this finish line in sight, where sin will just prevent us from even being able to run at all. And we have to deal with the sin in our lives, those places that miss the mark and allow God to, to, to redirect, to discipline us and redirect our steps to be aligned with him. See, we get way down when our our emotions and our relationships and our bodies and our thinking become cluttered, when they they start being weighed down and overwhelmed. But I want to make this statement, and I want to make it clearly. Rest requires faith. Rest requires faith. Rest requires faith. It's, it's not faith that says keep going. That faith would actually say, hey, you need to stop and slow down. It takes faith to stop. Faith to know this, I'm not in control and God is. Faith to realize that you are not the master of your own destiny. 
that God is the one who is in control. It takes faith. And that when we rest by faith, when we rest, we realize this, that rest brings healing. Rest brings clarity. Rest brings peace. And rest brings a sense of trust. That I can trust God, that I can stop, that I can rest on the Sabbath, that I can take a sabbatical rest, that I can, I can not do anything and know that God is still in control, that the world will not fall apart because my hand is not at the, at the wheel. Rest requires faith. We need to be a people who remove the hindrances and the sin. And I believe a key place that is found is when we learn to rest. And then finally today, we need to run focused. We need to run focused. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this point because Pastor Deb did a great job last week of really unpacking this picture of keeping our eyes. She talked about the disciples being in the boat and Peter getting out and walking on the water and keeping his eyes on Jesus and what happened when he didn't we need to, and, and by the way, if you haven't heard that message, please go back and listen to it. It's a great word from the Lord. We need to run focused. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus. In a marathon, you can't see the finish line. A hundred meter d- dash, that sprint, you can see the finish line that's right there. But when you run a marathon, you start the race not seeing the finish line. There's Many miles, 26.2 miles before you reach that finish line. You can't see it for a long time. In fact, until you round, come around that last curve, that last bend, into maybe into a stadium or into a place where that, there's that arch, and you all seen it. There's the timer that's counting, and, and there's the red tape for the person who's finishing first. They don't see the finish line, but I guarantee you the whole time they're running, all they're picturing is crossing that finish line knowing that it's coming and it takes a while the best runner in the world it takes almost two hours to get to that finish line and for many much much longer but the whole time they're running they're picturing crossing that line that is their goal they have a mental picture that they focus on what's the finish line for us well the finish line is really looking to where jesus is at It's to be with Jesus, to be in his kingdom, to be in heaven with him. And so we keep our eyes on him, but it's more than that. We keep our eyes on him as well because he is our example. We keep our eyes on the one who has completed the race. How did he get there? What can we learn about who God is and the way that he finished the race? That Jesus completed the task that he was called to do. He is our example. And here's the thing. He endured suffering. Jesus endured suffering. We know that. He went to the cross. He, he was beaten. He was, he was bruised. But in Hebrews 11, we also find out that all of those, that, that great cloud of witnesses, almost all of them endured opposition. And many of them endured physical pain and suffering in their race for the Lord and in, in participating in what God has. They endured suffering. Jesus endured suffering. You might be walking through suffering right now, and maybe there's a question about, well, is this God's will? It might not be God's will that you suffer. That's a difficult question, and that's something to grapple with. But here's what I know. In the midst of suffering, God moves. 
that he builds us, that he strengthens us. And then when we're running the race that's marked out for us, there will be a degree of suffering and opposition that comes. When we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, we realize we can keep moving. In fact, the last part of that passage says that we, like him who, who, who endured all of this pain, he scorned the shame of the cross, that we will not grow weary and lose heart if we keep our eyes on him. But we also have to remember that he ran, Jesus ran God's race. Over and over, Jesus says, Father, not my will, not your will be done. He says to the disciples, I'm not, I'm not doing my own thing here. I'm doing what the Father has called me to do. He was committed to running God's race. He ran light. He ran light. Just like we're called to run light, to get rid of the hindrances, we need to run light because Jesus ran light. He took time to rest. Can't, listen to this, church. Jesus didn't do it all. He didn't do it all. Jesus didn't come and finish the work. He came and he added to, he, 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 there were things that he c- completed at the cross that no one else could do for sure. He died for our sin and, 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 and only he could do that. But Jesus did the part that the father called him to do, but he didn't do all the ministry. He entrusted it to the disciples and by extension, he entrusted it to us and he says, come run this race with me. He embraced those limits. He did what he was called to do, and he rested, and he prayed, and he invested in relationships, and he took time to be with people. We have to follow that example. So remember, it's God's race. We need to run light, and we need to run focused. I know that God has great things in store for you, He has great things in store for me. He has great things in store for Thrive Church. And I look forward to uncovering and discovering, God, what is it you have for us in this next season as we close out 2020, as we look to 2021, knowing that we, we can't predict the future, but we can put our faith and our trust in God that we can run the race that's marked out for us. But it takes us to slow down to rest, to be refreshed in his presence, to remember that it's his race, to run light and run focused. Let me pray for you as we close today. Jesus, I thank you that you are the author and perfecter of our faith. And I thank you, Jesus, that you are the ultimate example. You are the one that we can fix our eyes on and that we can run this race with confidence, Lord, that we can run this race in a way that doesn't wear us out. Lord, I thank you that, that even in using this metaphor of the race, Lord, that there's a reminder that we're called to rest, that we're called to pace ourselves. Lord, that, that you set that pace for us. Lord, I pray that we would run in step with your Holy Spirit. I pray for everyone hearing these words today in places, Lord, even in their own faith where they are trying and trying and trying and trying and are just feeling worn out. God, would you allow them place to rest, to be refreshed and for your Holy Spirit to set that pace for them as they engage and encounter you. I want to invite you today, if you're hearing these words and maybe you've never given your life to Jesus, you've never surrendered your life to him, I want to give you an opportunity 
to say yes to him. Jesus died for your sin. He came and he died and he suffered on a cross so that your sin would be forgiven. And because of that, you have an opportunity to join in to what God is doing, to have a relationship with the Father, to have a relationship with Jesus, to be in relationship with the Holy Spirit. And if that's you, if you've never said yes to Jesus, you can simply do that right now. And I want to encourage you, if that's you, pray this prayer with me. Just pray these words, dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin and forgiving me of all that I've done wrong. I commit to follow you. I surrender my life to you. I put my faith and my trust in you. Become the Lord of my life. Be the Lord of all that I am. Direct my steps, and I commit to follow you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. If that's you, if you prayed that prayer, we celebrate with you. That's the greatest decision you could ever make. If that is you today, would you please let us know uh, in the chat section. Just say, I, I said yes to Jesus. There's a place that you can click. Or would you send, send us an email at prayer at Thrive Glendora? We would love to just follow up with you and provide some resources. Church, it is so good to be back with you. Uh, I look forward to, to sharing more over these next few weeks. Um, please reach out, say hi, uh, connect in the chat section. Uh, we'll be in there for a few more minutes. I'd love to just connect with you. We love you. Pray about who you can invite to, to service with you next week. God bless you. Have a great afternoon.